0: It's almost like they have no idea, but God does. God. Well, he could have enlightened them with different... No, no, I'm
1: just mad at the names.
0: Why are you judging Yahweh? That's one knock. That's one knock for Clara. Clara, we're about to start. We're going to... You know what? A little little ticker for every time. Call him. Suggestion
1: from now on. Make the names more easy to remember.
0: Yeah, Father God, I'm going to need you to step in. I need you to hop in, assist me, get into Clara's dreams, and just, you know, sprinkle a little bit of your miracles in her life. I don't know. Anyways, let's continue the story. Ooh. Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we doing this week? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Call back later. (gasps) You guys, this week, we're talking all about Elisha's prophecy. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And of course, another week, my work wifey and I get to spend together and I get to annoy her for a couple hours in the week. Like Clara NYC. How are you? You look Wow. Today, <laughs> I
1: love this look.
0: No, no, no. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, for those of you who are not watching the YouTube channel, you are not currently seeing the vibes today. Today I went with, uh, Lilo from the fifth element. Uh, th- thank you. Wheezy, my big sister in the podcasting uh, space. This is her jumpsuit and, uh, this is, uh, my wig. Uh, thank you. Uh, not Louisa, but also put Louisa here because why not promote your friends? Uh, not her wig, but she appreciates it. And I love you. And I want to work with you more. I love you. You guys, I love changing my hair. I cannot tell you how, oh, it feels right to change my look. It feels, it feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Does it make you,
1: like, not personality, I know you're still the same person, but does it put you in like different moods?
0: Absolutely. Oh, no, it does change my personality. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything wrong. I think when you change your personality to manipulate and deceive and accuse people, and I think that's when it's wrong. Mm. But I'm a performative person. And I refuse to let the culture like uh, over in over exaggerate how negative it can be like, yeah, it's negative when you use it. Badly. when you weaponize it, but I use it to have fun. Like I, Excellent. it does help me amplify the story a bit. Like when I feel a little bit more glam, I end up sounding like an aristocrat, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, well, how did I turn into Queen Elizabeth? Honey? And then like when I'm feeling more like this, like, I just want to like, I'm not wearing lashes right now. I want to get a little more rough. <laughs> Speaking of rough Clara, Ooh, what? for those of you who do not follow me on Twitter, again, Twitter here, uh, I am weaning off my SSRIs, my medication, the Lexapro. I've got to say bye to the Lex. Good. Peace out. It's been real. Uh for those who you who are on Lexapro, it did great. It was great for me, but it's just not the right medication for for me because I was recently diagnosed with bipolar, which was already I was already being screened for it. It wasn't something that came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know. It just had to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. 100% confirmed by my psych and my um my psychiatrist, and also my therapist. They work together in tandem and I have to get on new meds, but I have to spend some time, no medication to like, you know, uh, prepare myself for, you know, the next form of treatment, which I don't even know if I want to be on the mood stabilizer yet. I haven't decided I have to talk again with my psychiatrist, but, and also I don't want to talk about that publicly if I'm being honest. Um, But ever since I've been weaning off, I'm feeling, I'm a, ooh, I'm in heat. I'm in heat. I'm in heat. Because if that, for those of you who don't know, Lexapro, Lexapro just puts a diaper on any kind of sex drive that you may possibly have. And I feel like I already had a lower active libido. So already, like, if if my baseline. Do you think you had a lower libido? Really? I, no, I definitely did. Yeah, because even before. Like lower than average you mean? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Of- well, or maybe it's the people that I surround myself. Like you and Wheezy are heathens. Or like you guys, like when you guys, when I hear you guys talk about sex and stuff, I'm like, I love sex, but, or I, I enjoy, I can enjoy sex. I will enjoy it more with my husband, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't yearn for it. It's also in, not in my top five for oh, yeah, the things that, that thing. I need. Yeah. Like Wheezy and I were talking about this. We had lunch earlier this week and I'd asked her what her top five, three things were requirement for her future partner something that like non-negotiables, you know, if you were to go down a list of things that you would not compromise. Mm -hmm. Right. Dude, mine is like so simple and sex isn't in the top five. Like, Oh, it almost, it it almost feels like wrong and arrogant for me to be like, I wouldn't be with a man because his, uh, wasn't up to my standard. Like what stand, what is that? You know, I don't think it's standards, but um, there's a preference and there's nothing wrong with it. It's a preference, but also no sex is up, is of more importance. But it's again, a part of the connection building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess yeah, it's like depends on your preferences. Like
0: you have other preferences and it's perfectly. I think it's flat. beyond preferences. I want to stop. You want to know why I want to stop using preferences? Because I have preferences. My preferences are tall. I'm a sucker for a Middle no, Eastern I'm talki- man. I'm talking
1: about a relationship, uh. not a dude. Preferences mm-hmm. on a relationship meaning not, oh, I want a tall dude, intelligent. No, I want a relationship that fulfills me sexually. I want a relationship where I have trust. And, you know, Like I'm talking about the relationship, not the man. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And I guess when I'm saying that, like, it's not to say that I don't also value those things. Because if you think about it, those... You know, the things that are like, what's your love language? I think that's such BS sometimes because I'm like, no, my love language is all of it. I would like all of it. I want attention. I want words of affirmation. Call me pretty. Call me hot. Call me sexy. Give me gifts. Do stuff for me. (laughs) Like, yeah, I want all of it. (laughs) We should all want all of it. Uh, So, yes, it's important. I guess what I'm saying is it's not a priority. Yeah. Okay. Priority. Maybe I got the wrong. Yes. So it's not it's not in my top. Like my top is God. My top is, uh, I guess the most superficial one I would say is probably a physical, attract. there is something about a, f- a physical, immediate physical, yeah, Fire. that there is yeah. something there that that I can see being an element for longevity. But there's nothing wrong with it. Like people keep- I don't think that there's anything wrong
1: with it. Yeah, that. people keep tying it like it's, oh, it's something wrong or it's, it's superficial. It's not superficial. It's just- um, you have your type. You, you. of course, you want to be attracted sexually to the person that you're going to yeah. spend the rest of your life with. Of course. But that doesn't mean that because I'm attracted to this, this is ugly.
0: Yeah, It's just, this is for me. This is for you. Clara, and like, I don't know if you, I don't know. I've dated really attractive men and I've also dated... Not the most conventionally attractive men, but I got to be honest with you. I've dated like medium ugly dudes, and like when I'm that, that's how I feel at the beginning. But then, like th- during it, they're no longer medium ugly. I look at them like, pero mira este taponcito de hombre is mm-hmm. kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like that happens a lot with men, and with like even with women too. I'm not attracted. That to happens it. with men. I'm not. Yeah, I think, I think it's, think it's a general rare thing. for men. I think it's rare. No, it's like I think it's a gen- when you get to know the person. If they have a nice personality, they just automatically become more attractive. Yeah. But that can happen with, like, I'm not attracted to women, but I can see girls where at first you don't know them, like, eh, whatever, she cute, but whatever. But then you get to see her, it's like, oh, she's actually really, like, really hot. I look like a witch today.
0: Um, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about this show. I'll talk about it later. I'll talk about it later. What show? The Witcher. I'm watching a new show, The Witcher. (sighs) Huh. It is hot. I'm, I'm in heat. Okay.
1: Wait, you're not supposed to masturbate either, right? No. I mean, but
0: also it's not even hard. I never used to do it before either. Oh, yeah,
1: you said that. Yeah, but you never used to do it before. But you had sex
0: before. Yeah, so now, a lot si of it. I had, calenton, calenton. I had sex more than I masturbated. ¿Me entiendes? Yeah, but
1: that, what I mean is like, you would have sex more often so therefore your needs were more covered
0: uh maybe that so
1: now like after a lot of time it's like okay so no, si te, te cojo un
0: calentón ahora, you te, still do ahora it. you're going to understand even when i didn't have a boyfriend when i wasn't christian i wouldn't masturbate
1: oh ah, okay does that
0: make sense yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. something
1: that like yeah, you say it makes you feel like you, do shame. you feel it it makes you feel weird it makes you feel it feels like you're not the only one though like, oh, but, i've spoken to other girls feel the same for
0: way for sure oh but clara i love like pleasuring myself even individually with a man in the room God. oh that's it, that like really turns me on it's mm-hmm. literally like the act of doing it alone no me llama no
1: me well, it's good just for you. more time to dedicate to productive things
0: i don't know man i just want to date a cool chill guy bible patrons potential patrons also the <laughs> patreon bible Bible Brianna, Patreon get the URL. Thank you, Clara, for that. Um, if we get to two hundred patrons, that's it. I am launching two different projects. I will, you know, that I will run myself to the ground to make these possible. We're doing Bible Bachelorette and uh, yes. a new a new show that maybe Clara you'll be a proud of. I don't know, but I want it to just be for the Patreon, mm-hmm. and I want it to be a produced show, mm-hmm. like it's going to be a weekly thing, strictly Patreon. If you guys get us to 200 patrons by my birthday, February 2022, I will. That would be like the best birthday present. Okay, but I also, know. I feel like we can do that. We're at 23 right now, effective today. We just need um, 180. Let's have two math. More, again. more math. Please. More math from last week. Sorry, guys. We're cute, but Lord, Lord, we need a calculator. All right, guys, let's dive into this week's story. But first, of course, we got to do some house rules briefly and then a little recap. And then we're going to dive into this week's story officially. You know what I'm saying? Brianna, ADHD preamble. So I'm not going to repeat the laundry list of things that y'all should be doing in preparation for these episodes moving forward. (laughs) Oh, as we go, we're plowing through the old Testament, by the way, guys, we have tapped into 19 books in the Bible. Wow. 19. That is major. That is like for someone who's never even picked up the book. If you've listened to every single Bible stories with Brianda, at least you're familiar with the goings of 19 Mm -hmm. books. How cool. That's cool. Um, But like I said, I'm not going to be revisiting the same notes we would be here all day. But if you have, uh, if you desire more context into this episode, please watch last week's episode and the one before that, boom, boom, Clara. Like that, I really go into depth about the distinctions between uh, the books of Kings and Chronicles, which is the story that we're dissecting within the last month of our Bible studies. Uh, so where we left off last week, I remember I prefaced it right with, it was a bit confusing and I still think it's confusing, <laughs> but this week uh, I wanted to unpack it a little bit more cause I don't think I did an effective job, uh, breaking down certain angles, but I figured we're already moving along the story. So I might as well. I might as well just brush up on some things. So where we left off within the last couple of episodes, if we're being honest, you all remember when Jehoshaphat made that alliance with King Ahab? Remember? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, cool. Stay there. What was not discovered in previous readings, but was discovered in this week's readings of uh, 2 Chronicles, is that when Jehoshaphat made that alliance with evil King Ahab, part of the deal— was that Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram Jehoram I'll never be able to say it sorry guys he has to marry king Ahab's daughter mm-hmm. okay Athaliah now I know I I know I said it last week but I want to rehammer it into your heads that a part of the alliance involved Jehoram marrying King Ahab's daughter, King Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, Athaliah. Athaliah was like a mini-me for Jezebel because she was evil too, okay? (sighs) Which we later find out, or I I brushed on last week, that she ended up killing a bunch of uh, Jehoram's um, uh, uh, siblings' children so that none of the Davidican kings could rise. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Point of the story is Jehoram... Mary's Athaliah. Athaliah was King Ahab's daughter. Understood? Clara, insert here a photo of the family tree so that they can visually see what I'm talking about. You can see it from like the breakdown of the kings in Judah and the kings in Israel because Jehoram was a king of Judah, not as good of a king as his father Jehoshaphat, remember? Jehoram was more like his father-in-law, King Ahab in the north. Understood, mm-hmm. and wh- what was wh- getting me confused in my Bible studies uh, for these chapters was that the names were the same. Now let me tell you now because it's going to be um, this is the confusing. Keep this. Keep the the family tree on the screen, Clara. So Jehoram was Jehoshaphat's son. Jehoram was also the name of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's son. So Jehoram, king of Judah, was brothers-in-law with the
1: Jehoram, hijo de King Ahab. Understood? So basically, Azaliah's brother
0: and husband name was the same. Bingo. Okay. Thank you. Oh, as long as you can say that. Now that you understand this, guys, we can get into this week's story. Now, I'm going to squeeze one last chunk of information before we, uh, before we dig in, you know what I'm saying? So we know from previous episodes, Jehoshaphat, he's already passed and he's given the baton. The next in line is his eldest son, Jehoram. (gasps) I got it. Jehoram. Yes. That's the name. Oh gosh, finally. I can never say it. Um, He passes the baton to Jehoram. He ends up being a horrible king. Jehoram, you know, Elijah prophesies, he dies of a terrible, mysterious bowel disease. We already heard that. And, um, but when Jehoram was alive, he ruined relationships with like friendly lands with Israel, including Edom. So he ends up beefing with the Edomites. And, uh, a lot of what we're going to hear today will seem repetitive, but it's not because we're actually reading new chapters. Remember, like I said, Chronicles, Kings, different POVs, different angles. For this week's episode, we are going to be uh, discussing Second Chronicles chapters 21 to 23 and also Second Kings chapters 1 to 3. Understood? Okay, now we can get into the story. Let's dive in to how Edom breaks up with Judah because they're beefing now. You know what I'm saying? Edom ends up, you know, raising up a a war against um, against Judah. Well, not really war. They just end up beefing. You know when you got like beef with people and you're just about, you're like talking smack, trash talking and stuff. Mm. So Edom revolts against Judah because of Jehoram's wicked ways. Uh, so what I'm saying is, even though Jehoram's not around, they still not over the things that he's done. You know what I'm saying? It's like the sins of our fathers. We still live them out. Let's hop into some scripture for context. Second Chronicles chapter 21, verses 8 to 10. I may skip around. In his days, Edom revolted from the rule of Judah and set up a king of their own. Then Jehoram passed over with his commanders and all his chariots, and he rose by night and struck the Edomites with who had surrounded him and his chariot commanders. So Edom revolted from the rule of Judah to this day. At that time, Libna also revolted from his rule because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of his fathers. So after that letter that we read from Elijah saying that, you know, Je- Jehoram and all his people are going to die. Jehoram's going to die of a mysterious disease. That ends up happening. And he ends up saying that his whole family line is going to be dead, except for Jehoram's youngest son. Jehoram's youngest son's name was Ahaziah. Ahaziah was his name, oh. <laughs> Claire eye rolling. But that was there. That was uh, Ahaziah was the son of. Athaliah and Jehoram. That's
1: where I'm eye rolling. Like, can they pick names that at least don't sound like they've no girl? I'm sorry.
0: The Jewish people wanted their names. Let them have their Hebrew names. It turns out, of course, Ahaziah is wicked. He's evil. He erects, you know, Baal statues and does the whole nine. Um, You want to know what makes this even sadder, though? Is or not sadder and also kind of cool but mostly sad is that technically Ahaziah is the line family line of David, mm-hmm. but he kind of like blends the families now because it's like part from the north and also from Judah. Mm. That's who Ahaziah is. But Ahaziah much like his daddy Jehoram evil. They're not like Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat made mistakes. But Jehoshaphat wasn't as bad. You know what I'm saying? He was like, what what you like to call decent, more decent, right? Mm -hmm. So just like his father, he makes an alliance, um, Ahaziah, Mm -hmm. with the northern kingdom of Judah. Uh, And together, Ahaziah and Jehoram, Jehoram being the king of Israel. Mm -hmm. Understood? Yep. They together go to war against Syria. That is a completely different thing. If you want more information on that, please go to Second Chronicles chapter 21, ch- chapter 22. I'm not going to do it because it's a lot of work. <laughs> Sorry, guys. i got to be honest. Um, I really, I honestly would. I would. Clara, I'll be honest with you. Should I break that down? Am I going to regret that later? Do you have it? I do. So do it. I mean, we could cut it out if I don't want it. Okay, exactly. okay. So, uh, together Ahaziah and Jehoram king of Israel went to war against Syria and the Syrians. All right. And then the Syrians, you know, like, brap, 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 they hit Ahaziah. They gave Ahaziah a flesh wound during this wound, uh, this war that oh, was going was, on, she was fighting. You're thinking, you're thinking of Athaliah. Mm. Ahaziah is not Athaliah. Athaliah is the daughter. Of uh, Jezebel was the mom. Right? That's the mom exactly. Okay. That's the mom. Okay, understood. Yeah. So uh, let's dive into uh, some scripture for context as to what happened, what went on with Ahaziah and the Syrian war, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-two verses four to six. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for after the death of his father, they were his counselors to his undoing. He even followed their counsel and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, to make war against Haziel, king of Syria. We're talking about Ahaziah, by the way, just in case you guys didn't know who that he was, Ahaziah. Uh, Verse six. And he turned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds that he had received at Ramah when he fought against Haziel, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, King of Judah went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was wounded. Okay, now while Ahaziah is, has a flesh wound, remember what we were just discussing mm-hmm. from Second Chronicles, Ahaziah tries to get uh, tries to heal his wound, right? And on his way to heal his wound, guess who he finds. Jehu, <gasps> remember Jehu, the man uh-huh. who made Jezebel fall out the window, yeah. and technically was the anointed uh, uh, side king of the north. Because mm-hmm. remember Elijah said he's going to be the react like the person's going to be cleaning things up here. Jehu spots Ahaziah, Merksim, oh, Merksim. All, Ahaz- all Ahaziah was trying to do was fix his, uh, was get <sighs> help, and Jehu spots him and he goes, "Oh, you." Ahab family, pa'fuera. <laughs> That's what happens. So um, it, it also breaks it down in 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 7 to 9. I will skip around. But it was ordained by God that the downfall of Ahaziah should come about through his going to visit Joram. For when he came there, he went out with Jehoram to meet Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to destroy the house of Ahab. Verse eight, and when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab, he met the princes of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who attended Ahaziah and he killed them. Woo! He searched for Ahaziah and he was captured while hiding in Samaria and he was brought to Jehu and put to death. They buried him for they said, he is the grandson of Jehoshaphat who sought the Lord with all his heart and the house of Ahaziah had no one able to rule the kingdom as didn't have, um, kids. Descendant. Wow. But guess what happens? <laughs> they have to anoint someone new, no? They sure do. Aye, aye. And guess who's next? Aye, aye. His mom. Ooh. Athaliah. Ooh. Athaliah ends up ruling. Now here's the thing. Never before has it a, a woman. Been mm-hmm. uh, uh, Unpacked, a king, sorry, but yeah. also not a family line of David. <gasps> Technically, Athaliah is not family line of David. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's the married. Exactly, kid. her Whoa. son was. Whoa. She wasn't. So she was actually self appointed, not official uh, ki- uh, queen mm-hmm. of Judah. It was like a temporary, right? That and, is Queen Cersei. For sure. Queen Cersei (laughs) in Game of Thrones, exactly. Yes, that's Athaliah. So I also want to, just in case you guys need the visual again, Clara, put up the visual of the family tree here. Yeah. And I will also insert this really cute little funny quick animation that describes that whole thing, transition of power with the mom. It's like a minute long, you guys. I hope you enjoy Clara put it here.
1: Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram, the next king of Judah, decided to make peace with the northern kingdom by marrying the daughter of evil King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Not a good idea. No, Jehoram and his wife, whose name was Athaliah, had a son named Ahaziah, a different Ahaziah from the one in the northern kingdom. When Jehoram died, Ahaziah became king. When Ahaziah was killed, just a year later, his mother, the daughter of evil Ahab and Jezebel, made herself the ruler of Judah evil Queen Athaliah tried to kill every boy that
0: was related to King David, so there would be no one left from David's family to be king. Sorry, I had to interrupt the show. Look, are you tired of not knowing what stocks to invest in, or even where to begin? Then join the Red Panda Stock Club, babes, started by Ian Dunlap, or as we all know him as the Master Investor or from his contributions every week with Earn Your Leisure. There are a lot of people talking about investing, but none of them have the track record that Ian has. The proof is in the pudding. He called to invest in Moderna at 43 in April of 2020, and now it's at 408, which is an 820% return. Once you join the Red Panda Stock Club, here's what you'll get. The four best stocks to invest in for long-term, the best entries on the planet, a year's worth of the best companies to invest in. The worst companies to stay away from. Unlimited access to Red Panda for 365 days. And lastly, you also get a weekly meeting from Ian and the Red Panda family every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central, after market Mondays. Baby, if you're tired of getting your behind kicked in the market, or simply want to learn where to begin with all the tools at your disposal, Red Panda is the place for you. Go to joinredpanda.com and enter the code BIBLE to get 50% off the next two weeks. It's easy as that, babes. Clara, grab the champagne. Back to the show. Whoa! It's about to get juicy! So now we have an unofficial first queen of uh judah uh, it's uh, like i said it's unofficial and she is so upset obviously that her son was killed and she wants to prevent any kind of uh david's descendants any she wants to like nip them in the bud like cuz right now there's a target on her back mm. and she could be killed at any given moment you know so you know what she doesn't said She ends up killing all of his, basically all of her son's siblings and cousins and stuff. Like she murks them. Well, technically not cousins, but like just anyone who could pose pose a threat to her reign. All except one. (gasps) And you want to know why? Uh, She doesn't kill a man or a boy Mm. named, Joash, Joash ends up being taken and hidden as a young boy, young boy, young, 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 he ends up being taken by, uh, let me get this because I need to, uh, a priest named Jeho, Jehoiada wow. and his wife, Jehoshiba, all right? Wow. Now, I know, I know that's that's going to be kind of tough, but let me hop into some scripture so that we have a little more information as to who they are. Okay because they're important. Second Chronicles chapter 22, verse 10 to 12. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehosheba, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were about to be put to death. Does this make sense? Thus, Jehoshiba... The daughter of King Jeroham, Jeho- Jehoram, and wife of Jehoiada the priest, because she was sister of Ahaziah. So she's basically saving her nephew. Okay. Understood? She knows how crazy her sister is. Like, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, 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 or she was the sister of Ahaziah, not Athaliah. Oh. Athaliah is Ahaziah's mom. Okay, okay, okay. It's very, okay. Do we go, put the map back! Put the family tree back, okay? Now, put the, get away. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And he remained. (laughs) Okay, wait. And the boy remained with them six years, hidden in the house of God while Athaliah reigned over the land. Dude, this boy was a little boy. This boy was seven years old, and he was supposed to be the real king of Judah. Mm. Of course, he's six, seven years old. He's not going to be able to reign. So while Athaliah thinks she's doing stuff. You know, she, because she's got Ahab blood. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. she's got that Baal stuff going on. She kills people. She murders. She murdered people of the David line. Already a crime, right? Mm -hmm. We have uh, Joash being hidden by Jehoiada and Jehoshiba. Sorry, guys, I'm butchering those names. I'm doing the best I can. Um, And they end up like... It, uh, um protecting him but also um shaping him up do you know that they're, they're like teaching him and they're actually making the rules so while she thinks she's queen the jew Ju- people of judah they know that she's not so they're actually listening to the priest so technically mm. the joab they're treating Joash like the king but they're listening to jehoiada the priest he's the one making the rules he's the one that's like um uh, well, tutor no come on, legal tutor Oh, there you go. Yeah. What's it called? Like a legal guardian or the person, the, he's handling the estate for now. Understood. And plus he's a priest, you know, so there's, there's that kind of level of education back then being a priest, like you were a Harvard Mm -hmm. grad, you know what I'm saying? So now everyone knows that Joash is supposed to be king. So a bunch of the priests and a lot of important officials treat Joash like he really is the king, which he should be. And he's a descendant of David. Okay. And uh, Jehoiada, the priest at the time, he ends up, you know, removing all the stuff that the that the that Athaliah had erected. She erected a bunch of Baal things and worshiping and all that stuff. And the people of Judah actually rejoice in the fact that the priest is getting rid of all of it. So she's building stuff and and thinks she's doing something and he's taking them down. And the people of Judah love it. Finally, finally, we can see we're back. Like we're back to the Jehoshaphat days. Like, por lo menos we have someone who really does believe Yahweh is the way and he's acting righteous in the sight of the Lord. They begin to celebrate. They don't even care that she's seeing. It's like carnival. These people are like, oh, hey they're like rejoicing in front of her face. No. She gets so mad. She's like, oh, these people don't. These people don't take me seriously. Okay. She gets so mad. Ooh, ooh, ooh. okay. Wait, let me uh, um, dive into some scripture because it gets, it gets spicy because the priest ends up sentencing Athaliah to death. What? Yes. But, but he ends up doing it on, um, under the clauses of, uh, murder, like, because she uh. didn't murder, she not only was not a family line, she uh, she was hate, she was evil. So let's hop into some scripture because the priest really did the priest really did what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to Second Corinthians chapter twenty three, verses twelve to fifteen. When Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she went into the house of the Lord to the people, and when she looked. There was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance, looking at him, look at that little boy, and the captains and the trumpeters beside the king and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing their trumpets, and the singers with their musical instruments leading in celebration, and Adelaide tore her clothes off and cried, treason, treason. Then Jehoiada, the priest, brought out the captains who were set over the army, saying to them, bring her out of between the ranks, and anyone who follows her is to be put to death with the sword. For the priest said, do not put her to death in the house of the Lord. So they laid her hands, so they laid hands on her, and she went into the entrance of the horse gate of the king's house, and they put her to death there. Mm. And that is how Queen Athaliah dies. Oh man. The Bible, the Bible's complicated. It's like a—it's—it's it's like learning anything else. Like you need to learn. I, I'm, I have like 10 different Google tabs open when I'm like even in, in Bible stories mm-hmm. mode research, which by the way, guys, thank you for reaching out. People reached out wanting to help write the shows. Like, by the way, I'm going to be emailing you guys back because I definitely need help. There's only so much that I can compute. It would be better for the show to have other people's, aside from my immediate resources, like insight, you know, Mm -hmm. because who knows? Maybe this recording would have gone smoother if we had shout out, David. Love you, David. If we had David here who would have summed it up quicker or uh, Jordan Jordan also offered a shout out to Jordan. Love you, Jordan. Like, um, she, she offered, like maybe she would have thought what I said in 10 sentences, she would have said in three. Maybe. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm definitely, uh, taking offers guys. Um, let's, let's help build this and make it better. But yeah, that's how flia dies. And we are, we are winding down guys. <laughs> Vamos a continuar. We are going to, retire second Chronicles for now and move into uh second Kings for another POV another angle. Okay. I'm going to bring up Ahaziah again, even though we know that he had died. Remember by the hands of Jehu, but that was the book of second Chronicles retelling. Now we're in Kings. So Kings is going to give us a different, a different side of things, a different angle of what occurred. So, Around this time, Elijah, who we know has passed from pre- previous episodes, but again, different POV, he denounces Ahaziah at this point. Knowing how Elijah spoke to him gives us insight into what may provide us information for future books. Understood? Mm-hmm. Laws of uh, uh, hermeneutics when reading the Bible. You, what can be taught in one book, what is misunderstood in one book can be answered in another, Capish? Elijah denounces Ahaziah in chapter one, verses one to four. And I wanna start with this because I think that when other lands beef with certain kings, it leads to the reason why they died, which is important, right? So let's hop into second Kings chapter one, verse one to four. I may skip around. After the death of Ahab, Moab, another territory, uh, rebelled against Israel. Now, Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, go, inquire of Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron, whether I shall recover from the sickness. Uh, he's basically saying to his people, go, go ask that God, Baal, if I'm going to be okay. Because hmm. right now Ahaziah is sick. He's fallen ill. Uh, but the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Elijah, remember, Jarul, the Tishbite, arise, go up to meet the messenger of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal (laughs) Zebub? Boob. (laughs) The God of Akron? Now, therefore, serious, this is Elijah. (laughs) Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Ah, That's what Elijah Tells the messengers to go back to tell Ahaziah, que se pudre. he's going <laughs> to die anyways, is what he says. And Ahaziah does not like this critique. He does not like this news that Elijah huh? gives to uh, Ahaziah, who is then like a king, you know? So what Ahaziah does is he sends 50 people over back to Elijah to threaten him huh? and to also find out, is it true, is it true that he's going to die? Right? But it's really to threaten. What?
1: But why why are they threatening him for it's not like he's saying something that he wants to happen, he's just saying what God says, no?
0: Yeah, but you know that in the past with other kings, even with Jehoshaphat, when prophets well no, Jehoshaphat had a good moment with when a prophet told him, rebuked him. But That rarely happens, at least in the uh, the Bible so far of what we've told, the stories we've researched in the Old Testament. A lot of the times when prophets rebuke in the name of the Lord, a king who has done wrong or evil, uh, has done an evil act, the kings don't like that. And they react in very explosive ways. So I think it's an ego thing. It's a pride thing. But they know that he's a prophet, right? Yeah, Heck yeah! But obviously, these are also Isaiah was worshiping Baal. So it's like, yes, he knows that. Uh, and I mean, Elijah. We have to think about this. Elijah was such, um, like a a, a goaded. He's a goat of a prophet. This was a man that had such an intimate relationship with the Lord. No other prophet. I mean, aside from Moses. Moses was really important. Duh. Elijah literally. Can, can like so tapped in with the Lord he brings fire from the heavens at a at the drop of a dime which we're about to get into because once Ahaziah hears the critique he sends 50 people over captains to like ruffle ruffle up uh, Elijah to scare him a bit mm-hmm. they go come on down here and bring us some news tell us to our face Elijah goes bruh I don't want to do this right now and your boy's going to die. And the guys are like, rah, 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 rah. You know what Elijah does? What? All right, Lord, let's do it. He does his party trick. The fire from the heavens pff, blows him out, kills him. Just for just for pestering Elijah and threatening Elijah. Wait, wait, I, what What fire? What? Elijah. Remember back with the bulls, what, what Elijah's yeah. capable of doing? with the Elijah can do that often oh. well not elijah the lord Throwing can hands. do that yeah, Elijah's yeah. just a man a prophet you can request it there we go he's tapped into the lord and the lord oh this is good this is good so what i'm saying is this is so indicative of how, of how close the lord was to elijah okay. the fact that elijah could say oh lord mm. xyz and the lord presents himself how many other people can say mm-hmm. they have that kind of relationship? You know what I'm saying? Right. For ejemplo, uh, I'm not going to say that God is a boyfriend or whatever at all, but think of it this way. When I'm in a relationship with someone, I'm more inclined to answer my boyfriend's calls than I am even a friend. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. The Lord and Elijah were so tight. The Lord was always answering his calls. Okay. Like, it's like, it, that, that's what, when I think of those, I'm not even thinking about the, the, yeah, it's exciting, the flames coming from the heaven. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about how tight Elijah and the Lord were. Mm. So Ahaziah hears that Elijah kills them people. Mm-hmm. You'd think Ahaziah would learn. Ahaziah goes, oh word, he sends 50 more people. To Elijah to threaten him and be like, oh, yeah, you think you can kill us? We're back. We're back, baby. You know what Elijah does? Again. <laughs> flames again. Flames from the heaven. They going barbecue you. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. So then guess what? Ahaziah tries for a third time oh my God. to bring over people because he's so mad. That's pride, pride. When, ooh, I have a feeling wrong people know they wrong because they will keep on trying and keep on trying to test their look. But this time the captain shows up to Elijah was a little more respectful. And I think it's because he's the, he's he saw it, the last yeah. two and he was like, listen, please don't, please, please don't kill us, please, please. I, I come, I come, I get it. We're, we're inconveniencing you, Prophet Elijah. But we just need to know, is Ahaziah really going to die? Like they really just want answers, like ultimately. And Ahaziah says, you know what? Because you have not pissed me off, I will come down there. So Elijah comes down there and legit confirms it to them. Mm-hmm. Like he goes, listen, bro, I'm not going to kill you. Okay. But your homeboy is going to die. And that's the end of it. Close the door on their faces. (laughs) Like what they do with Jehovah's Witnesses that knock on your door. No one's home. (laughs) Then who's talking? Uh, An operator? I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was a funny story of of, uh, Elijah. Like, not funny. I think it's a really good where God is in the story. That relationship between him and Elijah Mm -hmm. is important to highlight. Mm-hmm. So after Ahaziah dies, which he eventually does end up dying, which we find out not only in Kings, but also in Chronicles, we know we can confirm he dies. Ahaziah's younger brother, okay. which we already know, Jehoram becomes a new king. But we would not have known that Jehoram was Ahaziah's younger brother if we did not also read. Like oh. you need to read both. Uh, and that I can't stress that enough. I wouldn't have known that. I and I know the listeners, some of them, wouldn't have known it either. Mm-hmm. Once Ahaziah died, his brother had to, had to rise up, his younger brother, Jeho- Jehoram. But that was not explained in Chronicles. Kapish, capish. capish? Mm. Oy, let me move on. So, the king of Judah is also named Jehoram at this time. Wow. Wow. Señores, hasta aquí. Yes. <laughs> I think we're gonna end the episode early. No, but I have to say this last part no, because no, it's, say it, say it. Just it's just a like, part of the moral oh. of the story. That's the only reason why I have like, to. They do know
1: there are other names, right? That they can use.
0: <laughs> like, oh my god! Wait, you want to know? It's so funny. Jahoram's <laughs> brothers. Remember the the, the brother? Hi, Tanji. The brothers that Athaliah killed. The 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 line that she mm-hmm. was killing. Yo, it is so funny. Bring that family tree back up here because it's like. Zimbabwe, Zechariah, Alaya, Asakaria. I don't. No disrespect to Jewish names. I just literally think that that's. I They're don't know. All the same. But then there's one name. It's Michael.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, someone had some clarity.
0: Shit. When I saw that, I was like, "Can we just get some more Michael?" They were hoping that was the
1: the chosen one. <laughs> yes, like, yes, Let yes. me give him a a different name, easier to remember for the
0: future generations for real anyways um i know it's a bit confusing guys if you need this is probably one of those episodes that you'll need to break up like between days
1: it's just the names are so similar
0: the names are similar it gets a little confusing but we're not gonna let that stop us from you know uh, uh continuing on our quest to get to the end of the bible wait did they know in this time did they
1: know that they were making it to the bible like the generations after them were gonna
0: learn from them. Um, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know if like some of the peripheral people knew their. Significance in the story, like the ancillary people, the people who helped move the story along, but the kings had to have known. I mean, you saw obelisks obsoles- were built in their, you know, that had the King Omri and King Ahab's name. Like, you don't just ancient people would build obsolusks. Am <clears throat> I saying that right? Yeah, obelisk. Obelisk. Sorry. Jeez, Louise. Um, they and, and statues and stuff. They do that so that they can stand the test of time. In ancient times, that's, oh my God, I was just watching the National Geographics. They were, um, uh, I've been really into ancient Egypt now. I told you, I went from Peru, now I'm in Africa again. Anywho, um, and I was just reading about Queen Nefertiri who her husband was Pharaoh Ramses II. This man built some of the most obnoxious, Structures with his face everywhere. That was a man that wanted to live forever. And even the tomb of Queen Nefertiri, Nefertari was, even if you go down there, the colors are so vibrant. These are colors that were painted on stone centuries ago, and they're still there. Mm-hmm. These are people that wanted to see the, the afterlife, like they, I don't know. So I do believe that in some sense, uh, and those weren't obviously Jewish, they weren't Jewish, but they believed in gods, Mm. in the sun, the the sun, God, the moon, God, like these are people that identified in their, their God so much that they wanted to live forever with it. Mm. So I, I don't know. I guess in ancient times, I think that they are they can't know possibly that they're going to be a part of an ancient source text that will be around for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But they're yeah. not they're not dummies because they're building they're building these pyramids and these yeah you know. Does that answer your question? Yes,
1: really? I just there's this word that I'm looking for and I can like it doesn't come.
0: Uh, dilo en español.
1: Es que no me sale tampoco.
0: Ah, okay. It's okay. <laughs>
1: Karen.
0: okay um but that's a good question clara i don't know i i don't know because no, i was
1: just to say if they knew and they knew that to this day the bible would be studied honey you're playing with us
0: no just change the they names. would never even have clara it's almost like my dad when he was 15 could never have even had the bandwidth to, to be able to explain the internet it's almost like sure. they have no idea but god does god well he could have enlightened them with different no
1: no i'm just mad at the names
0: why are you judging yahweh I'm that's judging. one knock that's one knock for claire claire we're about to start we're gonna you know what a little a little ticker for every time call him
1: suggestion from now on make the names more easy to remember
0: yeah father god i'm gonna need you to step in I need you to hop in, assist me, get into Clara's dreams, and just, you know, sprinkle a little bit of your miracles in her life. I don't know. Anyways, let's continue the story. Hi, Tangie, not Hi, Tangie. I wanted to insert this in this week's episode because I don't think I put enough emphasis on it in last week's episode. But it also comes up in uh, Second Kings chapter chapter 2, and it is the transition, or Elijah's transition and him passing the baton to Elisha. I, I did a quick, you know, brush over it in last week's episode, but it was like way more important. It's kind of like the, the red wedding in Game of Thrones. It's mm-hmm. like one of those episodes that you do not forget. It's one of those mm-hmm. moments that is actually bigger than the way I had uh, conveyed it in last week's episode. And I'll break it down just a little bit. In this time, we all know Elijah's gonna pass. He's at that age. Uh, You see in chapter two of 2 Kings that Elisha doesn't even want it. He's like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Oh my gosh, I'm not ready. But he knows it's about to happen, you know? And that conversation that they had was so beautiful. And he asks Elijah to give him double double the spiritual juju that you have, give it to me, please. And Elijah says, hey man, I don't have control over that. I don't have power over that, no. you know? Uh, he says some other beautiful stuff in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse nine to 12. Um, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. "'And he said, "'You have asked a hard thing. "'Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, "'it shall be so for you. "'But if you do not see me, it shall not be so.' "'And as they still went on and talked, "'Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire "'separated the two of them. "'And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into into heaven.' And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. So that's what I was saying. Like, Elijah didn't just die. He like, I'm not saying he, he Jesus like ascended, but there's only been one other time in the Holy Bible where something like this has happened. This dude, Elijah, instead of kicking the bucket, the Lord brought, came up. In a limousine, okay? Popping champagne bottles for Elijah. Girl, a chariot of fire? That's dope. What's a chariot? É como, é, un Uber. Un um, <laughs> Carruaje. Yeah. Okay, 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 exactly. <laughs> 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 like, with the horses. And he gave and he collected. It. it doesn't uh. even say, it doesn't even say, like, anything about death. It just says he was taken from him. How, that, isn't that kind of cool? Like, the, mm, Elijah is everywhere, <laughs> anyways, um, so elisha the new prophet starts doing prophet like things like there's even like a, a a chapter four of Second Kings is all allotted to the miracles that elisha had done it It was beautiful, which I make into next week's episode. I'm not too sure, but that's essentially what happens, like Elisha's now the guy, and boy does he. He hits the ground running. He he definitely you, you saw from previous episodes. He deads mad people, he corrects things, he does exactly what exactly what Elijah would have wanted for him. Hey, Christian babes in the faith, are you tired of forgetting commandment numbers three, four, seven, nine, and ten? Anytime you rip shots of tequila. Are you tired of forgetting Jesus at home because he doesn't fit into your club bag, you whore. <sighs> You've had it with being a naughty sinner. But wait, there's a solution. Introducing the Baby Jesus Hotline. The latest, most effective tool for sinful behavior prevention. It's simple, just place the tiny phone in your hoe bag or in between your bosoms before you leave the house. And don't you even think about putting Baby Jesus on Do Not Disturb. The Microscopic Jesus Hotline will automatically play the sound of trumpets at 1,000 decibels to alert you that you are about to sin. Holy moly, that is loud. Baby Jesus, salvation is just a phone call away. There is this really neat exchange that happens in 2 Kings chapter 2 where after Elisha is now, you know, the new prophet in charge, uh he goes to Bethel to start, you know, I don't know, erecting Baal stuff. You know the, the whole bit, the bit that they do. That, that that's the number one thing that the righteous uh righteous people uh righteous sons and daughters of God do. He ends up being ridiculed, Elisha. It's like the new guy, you know, like the new guy in school, they get like a little made fun of a bit. Mm-hmm. But at this time, they know that prophets aren't allowed to cut their hair. And Elisha, mm. Elisha's not even that old, but Elisha doesn't have it. He doesn't have hair, but that's not by choice. Just bald? Yeah. Like he just doesn't have, because oh, they're, they're, they're supposed to have, you're not supposed to touch The prophets aren't allowed to touch their hair, you know what I'm saying? But this isn't even a choice. Like, and Elisha understands that, but other people were making him insecure about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in second Kings chapter two, verses 23 to 25, he went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, go up you bald head, go up you bald head. And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. <gasps> and two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of those boys that were making fun of him. Wow. And from there he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. It Those little boys that were making fun of him, like, it always be the most lost people who have the most to say. Like, and by lost, I mean the most—those little boys are probably insecure within themselves. Like— what? Yes. No, no, carry on. like those like first of all, they say boys, so we know that they're young. Younger. Automatically I already know. Stupid. They're dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it always again, it always be the most lost, unhappy people with the most to say. Cause let me tell you something. Happy people, happy people. They're not going out of their way oh. to make other people happy. They're too busy in their happiness. We don't if anything, care. they want to fill other people. Mm-hmm. So obviously, these, these kids were rotting on the inside, you know? And also, oh, it's like insecurity because Elisha knows that that's not even, he doesn't have control over how much follicles produce hair. I'm not going to adopt your, I'm not going to use your insults to make me feel a certain way. I know what it is. You know? And the Lord knows what it is. He knows that even though those are the rules, he knows that I have no control over that. That is that is my genetic makeup. Like, mm-hmm. my, the Lord sees my intentions, and he knows that if I did have hair, I would not have cut it, mm-hmm. you know? What? Question. What?
1: Those bears that come out of the woods and eat the boys in 42 pieces, is that God sending them, or it just happens to happen?
0: Uh, I th- Can I be honest with you? I think that... We, I, no Brianna interpretation. Let's just read the text. Cause, and by the way, it's 42 boys. Uh, uh, Cause it says, and he turned around and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if you curse somebody, bless somebody, rebuke somebody in the name of the Lord, that's a prayer. That's some kind of meditation. So you're
1: praying on God that he does something bad to these children because they hurt your feelings?
0: Uh, I I mean, that's not what the text tells me, but it doesn't tell me that he says, Lord, kill them with bears. It doesn't say that. It says, Lord, these people are being so unkind and vicious. Like, they're freaking 50 of the, like, they're a bunch of boys making fun of me. Go up, bald head, bald head. Jeered at him. Probably threw stuff at him, you know? Like, in that sense, I don't think that that's Elisha. Why? Why would Elisha
1: even think well, that even he, the Lord? Like I just think it's what? extreme or a very I don't want to say bad, but hmm. yeah, like ex- you're doing it.
0: You're doing it. You're no, doing I it.
1: I, yes, I am. Where 100%. is God in the story? So the story. That's is— That's why a- I'm asking if this comes from God or it just happened to to a bear just came out in the right moment because just okay. because some
0: I got something. Okay. We understand as God fearing, I can only speak for myself, right? Uh, uh, People that God is good, God is great. God cannot do anything evil. He is not evil. It'd be like oil and water. It does not mix. However, the Lord can use, uh, or or the Lord uses certain uh, characters, circumstances, regions, uh, the climate, the, the weather. Uh, he uses them like pawns in a game of chess. The Lord is like the best DJ because he will spin anything. He'll spin something to be more aligned or to propel whatever he wills for us. So, and this is again, just Brianda, We're bantering. I may be wrong. The Lord may have needed Prophet Elisha to be super confident in that moment on his trip to Bethel. And here we have these kids messing up that plan. And that's worth their lives?
1: I'm just saying, it's a little extreme. Well, we don't know. Here's the thing, Clara. And they're children. No, no. We know that they have, like, they don't know better. But what
0: if they were children that, uh, aside from making fun of bald priests, also... Uh, built Baal statues or whatever have you. Like it doesn't tell me in the text, but if the Lord went as far as to curse these boys, 42 of them being killed by she bears, I can only assume, which by the way, I'm not going to be bogged down in the story. I'm only going to be bogged down in where God is in the story, but because Claire is asking, I'm under the impression that these were evil boys and that if this is what they do as young boys, I don't want to know what they do as older men. I, that is Brianda conjecture. Mm. I may be wrong. Again, if you're a new Bible risk listener, these questions that Clara come, uh, brings up, that's very normal, very, that'll happen. If you're a new Bible reader and want to continue reading and not be di- uh discouraged by certain things that seem hypocritical or contradictory of whoever you are constructing the Lord to be in your new babe, walk in the faith, like in your new, in your newness, pause it and just look at where the Lord is in the story, where the Lord is in the story for me, Brianda. The Lord here is in affirming Elisha in his belief in himself, not allowing other people projecting their own insecurities onto him things of that nature. Like, where is God in the story? I don't want to be bogged down by even Elisha or the boys or the bears, Mm. you know? Uh, And I'm not, I don't want to discount what you're feeling. Your feeling is true. And a lot of people are going to be feeling that too. Uh, For new Bible listeners who want to build their faith though, keep working those kinks out. You got to find where God is in the story because there are a bunch of those where that came from. Trust me. In fact, that's what kept me in my atheism were those moments where logically something wasn't sitting right with, with me or something. I, I'm, I'm recalling a memory. So maybe it's a little skewed now that I'm in my faith, but I remember something like that. It I would just, um, be quick to dismiss is what mm-hmm. it would allow me to do where I'm not noticing it with you. With you, it doesn't make you quick to dismiss. It makes you, uh, maybe quick to doubt question. Yeah. Yeah. Quick to question. Right. Uh, but I mean, you're here and that's really, and you're attentive and I'm, I'm down with, I'm down with that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Don't make fun of, don't make fun of bald people. I love a, I love a bald, a bald man. I know you do. I think bald men are so sexy. A little Jason Statham. You have to have the right face for you it. You gotta have that right head. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. But they sexy. I don't know. I like it. Okay. Stay with me here. I don't want to lose any Bible babes. Between last episode and this episode, we know that King Jehoshaphat in Judah formed two alliances, one with Ahab. Remember that time? The first time? But remember, we also found out that he made a boo-boo again later mm-hmm. and he formed it. an alliance with his son. Mm-hmm. Jehoram.
1: Yeah, don't make me pronounce Jehoram. it.
0: Jehoram. Yeah. In 2 Kings chapter 3, it breaks down why and how that engagement happened. Because in last episode in Chronicles, we only found out like numbers, like how many people were involved. This is that. Here we find out a little bit more context as to why they were even going to work together. And how the Moabites, remember uh, I was saying at the top half of this episode that um, enemy land, but also friendly land end up beefing with Israelites mm-hmm. now because of the poor leadership of these kings. I hope I understood that. I mean, I hope you guys understood that because I, I almost had an aneurysm trying to get that out. So in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, we find out that, we found out exactly why the Moabites and the Israelites were beefing in the first place. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he had to deliver to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jehoram marched out of Samaria, at that time, and mustered all Israel. And he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go out with me and battle against Moab? And he said, I will go. I am as you are my people, as, I am as you are my people, as your people, my horses, as your horses. Then he said, by which way shall we march? Jehoram answered, by way of the wilderness of Edom. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we already know from previous episodes, but we're hopping in this Game of Thrones season. We're hopping forward, backwards, (laughs) de lado, whatever, you know? (laughs) Um, uh, We already know that the Lord did not like this and the Lord did not command this. The Lord did not co-sign this. Okay? The Lord was not the guarantor (laughs) of this lease. So uh, Israel, Judah, and Edom get to the traveling. So uh, from that chunk of uh, 2 Kings, we know that now they're a trifecta team. In their travels towards Moab, they realize that they have minimal resources. They don't have enough. Oh, no. They don't have enough food. They don't have water. They don't have um, weapons. They don't have like—and the Moabites are stacked— the Moabites are big. The Moabites are, you know, that's what we know from our our, previous, um, our our previous episodes or previous books that the Moabites ain't no one to mess with. And you definitely don't want to beef with them. And they, in their moment of, oh my gosh, what the heck are we going to do? They go, yo, anybody, is there a prophet in the house? Prophet, can anybody... Here, does anybody got a clear connection to the Lord? Does anyone have, like, what's it called when you travel, when you go on vacation and you get a travel pass to call? (laughs) Does anyone have, did anyone get a vacation package to call? (laughs) And, uh, you know, guess who's there? Guess who's with them? Who? Uh, Elisha. Oh, I don't know. Yes. So here, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses uh, 11 to, let's see where I go, 11 to a question mark, Clara. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And remember, Jehoshaphat was kind of semi-decent, remember? Mm-hmm. Then one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shephat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Huh. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. So he's basically saying, after all the stuff that you guys have done, I shouldn't even be talking to you. Mm. But because Jehoshaphat's here, (laughs) and he's the son, he's a son of uh, uh, Asa, son of David, you know what I'm saying? The the line of David. I'm going to help you out this one time. More times, obviously, because Elisha is, you know what I'm saying? He's a prophet. But can he do that? Because the Lord didn't approve. Uh no, he the Lord the Lord approves cause he has the message. Oh okay. It's more of a this is just goes to show you the prophets are people. Okay. The, and it's actually so funny because prophets are people and also they have an attitude. Because <laughs> is Elisha uh Michael Jackson prince here? He asks for music. What? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> hold on, wait. Elisha <laughs> goes, Can I get some like ambiance music while I go? Literally, wait, no, in uh Second Kings chapter 3, uh verse uh uh 15. Elisha goes, uh, but now bring me a musician. <laughs> and when the musician played the hand of the Lord came upon him, it's almost like I need to get into, z- into the I zone. <laughs> okay, I know. And he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry steam bed full of pools. Uh, second Kings chapter three, verse 17. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain. But that steam bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. The prophet goes, this ain't nothing to him. He will also give the Moabites into your hand. And you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree and stop up the springs of water and rule Okay? Verse 20, the next morning, about the time of offering the sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom till the country was filled with water. Mm. Yeah. And I guess we'll end the episode with that. Uh, The Israelites end up defeating Moab, just like Elisha's prophecy had said. But I loved the way, again, where's God in the story? Because... I don't care about these people. I mean, I do care about these people, but you know what I'm saying. Where is God in the story? When Elisha tells them that this is light work, you guys are worried about food and about water and about winning a victory. Like, no, 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 no. Want to know what's really difficult is filling faith. Like that's, that's the hard work. Mm. That's, that's what it is. This other stuff, I don't know, I, when, when, I, when, I, when I read that line back, that's what the highlight of the moral of the story is. It's, it's kind of that same idea. And in a sense, it's kind of a common thread through almost every single story that we've read. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost the same kind of thing. Why are you nervous? The Lord laughs at our doubts. Like, come on, dream big. The other day I felt the Lord ask me, like, what exactly is it that you want? Wow. Like, go big. Did you ask for my two million? (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? Can I also get a, Uh can I get a vote for Clara? (laughs) Please, Lord, just let her in, please. (laughs) Please, (laughs) dame su favorcito. But no, I just, I just felt, you know, I've always been a dreamer. So like all of the things that I've desired or things that are like fantastical and like rarely ever happen, you know, for people. A very small group of people get to actually live out their dreams and then make a handsome living off of them. Very, it's very mm-hmm. small group. And I felt the Lord be like, you tell me like you ride the line between knowing what you want and like limiting yourself, like being realistic, like a Teresa. Mm-hmm. my mom always used to say, Brianda, Teresa. and I guess my mom's voice is in the back of my head with everything. But this time I felt the Lord be like, your mom's not here right now. Go there. And that's where I came up with the dream of like, what well, I want my future to look like, what I want this to look like. I want to be better with my word. I want to be able to like be more swift with my things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Hi, Tanji. Let's get to moral of the story. Yeah. Moral of the story is Hindsight really is 2020. God's vision of life is 2020. It is what it is. You know, the million dollar question here is how do we get to the point in faith work where we genuinely surrender our own vision of the ideal life and replace it with His vision of the ideal life for us? How do we acquire this? you know, this spiritual 2020 vision? I can't answer that question. (laughs) I'm just a babe in the faith figuring it out too. But I do know this. The Bible shows us that sometimes we don't see how God is working. We just have to believe that he is working Now, it's easy to believe in that idea when we are swimming in blessings, right? But the gag is we got to believe that even when what surrounds us appears to be stifling us. Because little do we know what stifles the body may be the very thing that strengthens the spirit or corrects our vision. Like in Second Kings chapter three, verse seventeen, Elisha says to Israel, you know, for thus says the Lord, you shall see not wind or rain, but that steam bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink. High Tangy, not high tangi, but maybe God works best when we don't know much. You know, God's really in his pocket when we can't see what he's planning. And regardless of whether those divine impressions result in our immediate happiness or frustration, the belief in a God that works for us, through us, by his grace and his grace alone, is where true peace is. Now that is 2020 vision, baby. Ooh. Ay, auxilio, ayúdame, padre, ayúdame, que estoy mira perdida. I'm hot, father. I look like Lilo from the fifth element. Where's Bruce Willis? Where, can he save me now? <laughs>